0: Good evening. Welcome to the South Coast. Sorry. Tim Wisebray here, along with the Simon Assassin, Matt Costa, and science advisor Matt Moniz. I'm not hearing myself at all. You guys hearing me? Yeah? You can hear me? I can't hear myself. There we go. That's better. Oh, I can't hear you now. Oh, that's because I haven't turned your microphone on. <laughs> we have, we're having so many problems here. I think it's this one and this one. All right, try that, guys. It's got to be like the uh, the storm
1: here. Mine seems to be working.
0: It wasn't before, though. Yeah. This, you you oh, only couldn't all, hear yourself because you true. weren't talking. Uh,
1: that may have something to do with
0: it. Well, the important thing is we're on the air. At least we think we are. The light says that we are, and that's what we go by here. Yep, the light. The light rules all. Actually, we are slaves more to the off-the-air tone. That's true. <laughs> That's, That's true. <laughs> if you you know what's funny is you know the people who get into radio, we're not the most athletic bunch, for the most part. We spend a lot of time sitting around. Now, for those who have watched Spooky TV on SpookySouthCoast.com in the past and you've seen some of our YouTube videos, then you know that uh, for the first. I don't know, what are we going on now, eight years? So for the first, like, six years, I stood through every show. True, you yes. did. And that was probably the most exercise I got in radio in <laughs> all these years of doing it, was standing there during the show. And I was yes. standing there because, you know, I was kind of, you know, Moniz had things going on over here, Matt was running things over here, and I was kind of just watching and being in the middle of it now. And now that I press these buttons and you press those buttons, I have to sit down again. So You were also closer to the phone. That's true. Now that we have this nice fancy new phone, I don't have to stand up over there. But the difference being, you, you know, that was at least some degree of physical activity. I was on my feet. If I was to have to get up and, like, say something at the door, i got to push myself out from under here, get up, walk down the hallway, open the door, and it would take me a couple of minutes, even if I'm running. And sometimes, you know, like on Saturday morning, I only have a one minute spot that I'm playing to go open up the door and let Jose Matos in or, you know, let Matt in or one of my guests. And, yep. and I, I, I don't always make it back. I usually make it back in time, but sometimes you don't and you hear the little beep. But you've never seen radio people move like when they hear that off the air beep. All of a sudden they just start pouring out of the offices, out of the other studios. They come running down, what's wrong? Well, if I knew what was wrong, you probably wouldn't be hearing the beep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we are prone to have that happen to us a few times. We're we're definitely having some computer issues tonight. We're on like super delay from what I was listening to and what we were hearing and right. so who knows what happened. It'll all get fixed Monday morning when the important people all come back. Right, exactly. But when it's <laughs> when it's the weekends and it's up to Matt Costa and Tim Weisberg, yeah. yeah pff, we don't care what <laughs> happens. You know what this is? This is revenge for us having taco bell. Yeah. for well, breakfast. I, this I don't morning. know if that's the revenge, but yeah, that's true. There'll be a different <laughs> that's kind of be revenge tomorrow morning. But this is this is the kind of revenge that we get uh, when you, you know when we decide to do something outside the box radio-wise. Right. You know, radio right. decides to slap us back and put us in our place. <laughs> <laughs> no. This has been going on for 100 years. Stop messing with it. <laughs> but uh, yes, we did have taco bell breakfast. I have to ask you, how did it work out for you? I think it was good. I think it was all right. No, no, I'm not talking about. Oh, we, afterwards? I was crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm asking. But I think it was just because I over yeah, ate. Yeah, we did. Lot. We, I mean, we did. I have a pretty good amount of breakfast. I overextended my hash brown intake. And, uh, the, the sandwiches are, are. You no, know, they're good. Yeah. They're not, like, the greatest thing ever. No. I'm but trying It wasn't bad.
2: I'm trying to see if Tacos I can. Tacos made of waffles?
0: I have to say, the, uh, the. You know how, like, when you get something on... When you go through the drive through and you see the picture of the breakfast sandwich and it looks like the breakfast sandwich came down from the heavens above and it looks like the perfect sandwich, and when you get it, it's just like this crap sandwich. It just yeah. looks all soggy and gross. The, the Taco Bell stuff actually looked... Mostly like the picture. You know, I'm going to tell you. I'll give you that. I went to Taco you know. Bell after I left. Did you? And I got a waffle taco to take home to Jen. Yeah. Because we were talking about with, this with, with bacon or sausage. I got the sausage one. Okay. And first of all, I forgot my syrup. Mm. But by they the time they knew this, they are. I'll
1: give them the benefit of the doubt. I
0: got that, and I got. I figured out why you only got two of the. Cinnamon buns. Okay. By the way, we are going to talk about the paranormal. <laughs> we have two guests actually waiting on the line right now. We uh-huh. have Robert Murch and Karen Dolman. We're going to be talking about Ouija, but we just, we got to get the Taco Bell breakfast stuff out first. <laughs> this is a big deal. It is. I mean, our, our world has. It seems to keep coming back up. Right. That, well, and, and if anybody should be excited about this, it's Moniz, because now it's one more meal he can have a Taco Bell each day. The, so the, um, I go there, and, and the mistake you made with the cinnamon, the cinnamon, Cinnabon, bo- Cinnabon yeah, yeah. things, they have, and tell me how this makes sense, they have the 12-pack, and they have the 2-pack. So you can either get 12 of those bad I boys, was like a four pack. or I you can know. get two. Like, well... And I'm th- looking at the menu saying, what the heck is two good for? So I got the 12 because my wife's home, my son's home. She's watching her niece yep. and her cousin's two kids. So I'm like, I'm not going to walk in there with cinnamon bun balls and only have yeah, two. Yeah. So uh, besides, if I'm in the car with them, there might not be two when okay. I get home. <laughs> You're like, oh, I got uh, an 11 piece. <laughs> right. So I got, I got the 12 pack. And I ate two of them when I got home, and I realized, oh, that's why they have a two pack any more than that you're probably pushing your luck, especially with uh, other breakfast items but um um I got to tell you the the waffle taco does not hold up no, no, if you try to eat it like tw- I went home, I drove home, I went to the auto parts store, picked up a couple parts, went home so i was it took me maybe a half an hour to get to my house. And by the time I got to that waffle taco, it was ice cold, and it was gross. So it does not have the staying power of some of the other breakfast sandwiches that are out there. But when you eat it hot and you're dipping it in the syrup, it's not that bad. Mm. So That's that. There, there we go. That's our, our review of the, uh, the Taco Bell breakfast. Monies. If you're ever up that early, you can try one. We didn't try anything with steak, though. Up that early, I'm usually out my house by five thirty in the morning. No, I'm talking. I'm talking about on a Saturday, or on That's a That's a whole nother. Story. Right. Yeah, I'm not talking about during the week. You're you're too busy during the week. You don't have time to stop at Taco Bell, no. and Todd would appreciate it if you didn't. <laughs> if you had the time. Alright, so as I said, we are gonna be talking about Ouija tonight with our guests, Robert Merch and Karen Dalman. We've had them both on the program in the past. This'll be the first time that we've had them on together and this is pretty exciting because it's actually the one year anniversary. Well tomorrow will be the one year anniversary of Karen's first appearance here on Spooky South Coast. And things just kind of worked out that way. You know, we were trying to find a good date to book them both on the show. And I was trying to find a date where we wouldn't get pushed off the air because of the Red Sox, which as you know happens to us more often than we like. Uh, And get ready, folks, because it is going to happen very soon here with the season starting on Monday. And the Bruins making the playoffs, we're going to be shifting all around, starting late, maybe missing some weeks. We've got a couple Legend Trips events and other things that we're going to be at, so we won't be on the air those weeks. So we're hoping maybe we can do some pre-recorded stuff. There's... A buzz going around that perhaps we can go online, uh, you know, do the online streaming during the games and we'll be able to still bring you the show in some fashion uh, while there's a sporting event happening. So we're going to try and see what we can do about that. There's nothing we can do about it, folks. I know I get a lot of emails from people complaining and saying, you know, I wish there wasn't any sports. The bottom line is more people want to hear the sports and want to hear Spooky's Hell Coast. I know it's hard to believe, but it's true. Part of the reason, I think, is because so many people listen to us on podcasts that they don't realize that it's affected by sports. That if we can't come in here and do the show live, there usually isn't a show. And that's because we just can't get motivated anymore to do it from home like we used to. Remember how we used to feel about it? We can't miss a show. We have to have a show. Well, now we're a little bit more advanced. We could probably throw a couple in the can and knock them out in one night. Right. So maybe we can avoid some of these issues in the future. But... Keep tuned to the schedule. We'll have it up at SpookySouthCoast.com. If you want to find out more about it, you can do that. It's also the place to go to find out about our guests each and every week as well. If you want to find out more about merch, if you want to find out more about Karen, you can go to SpookySouthCoast.com, and when you go right to that page, you will see we have there this week's guests, and you can go to their individual pages and find out more about them, and you can also pick up Karen's books as well, and she's actually got a little something planned for us that she'll tell us about a little bit later on. Her new book is The Spirits of Your Ouija. station for hey, the South Coast. I thought I'd turn that guy off. Her, her new book is called The Spirits of Ouija, Four Decades of Communication, and her previous book is The Spirit of Creativity, Embodying Your Soul's Passion. And, uh, and of course, Robert Murch, you've seen him. At all these paranormal conventions, wherever there's a need for Ouija history, he is your guy. Uh, He knows everything there is to know about Ouija. We'll get into all of that as well, but now let's try and bring them up. We're using technology here, so I can't make any promises. I think it's going to work. Uh, We did a test beforehand. I think I can bring them both up here on the show. Good evening, Karen and Merch. Are you guys with us?
1: I am here.
2: I'm here as well.
0: All right, good. We made it. And the best thing about Skype is it sounds like you're both here with us.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, now, have you
0: guys ever done a show together before?
1: We did a little, what would you call that, a pop-in on George Norris Coast to Coast?
2: <laughs> That's right. We we did, uh, she made a special appearance um, <laughs> on an episode I was in. So we did get to hear each other's voice at the same time very quickly. That was great. Right. Cool. Was that um,
0: you know? Was that kind of a spontaneous thing? Did you su- were you surprising him, or was it planned out?
1: Well, I was going to surprise him, and then they called me. To, but then I, th- I think—correct me if I'm wrong, Robert—didn't the producer call you and tell you I was going to be on?
2: They did. So she was going to surprise me, and they kind of blew it. But I was very yeah. happy. I mean, it was kind of cool. Yeah. Well.
0: You know that's the thing here. We're talking about Ouija boards, so you, there's probably a way that you guys could talk to each other all the time oh, uh, yeah. while you've got the boards on your laps. <laughs> that's right.
2: We, have, <laughs> we don't.
1: Um, yeah, right. We don't need to even be in the same room, right?
2: It, it's. We have an incredible calling plan. There's no overages, <laughs> no roaming, no data charges with that. Nothing. No. So. Just, uh, We'll, we'll talk about all aspects of
0: Ouija tonight, and if anybody has any questions during the course of the show, you can give us a call, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. We're pretty sure that we can patch the calls through to Karen and Merch, but if not, we will definitely ask the questions on your behalf, but I think I think it'll work. We'll see. See, if we just kept things simple and kept it to a piece of plastic and a piece of cardboard, the show would be a lot more easy to do. <laughs> okay. We have to get crazy with technology. All right. Well, Karen, uh, we had you on uh, recently to talk about the book, The Spirits of Ouija, Four Decades of Communication. And the first question that I want to ask you, when we had you on before, the book was kind of just hitting the shelves. Now I'm wondering, have you heard any kind of backlash from the paranormal community about your... Uh, positive outlook and positive use of the Ouija board because I've been asking the questions on my Facebook page all week and the stigma is still there. People are still against these boards.
1: You know, I actually had a really warm receiving towards my book coming out and the shows we've been doing. But you know, there's always somebody that that wants to um, espouse a different view, which I'm very open to, as you know. So a few times, you know, as as we saw in your experiment on the page the other day on Facebook, you know, what do people think about it and using it and all this stuff, and everybody has their opinion, which is great. But what I find though too is that. Um, Sometimes I'll get, you know, some emails or or people that just are shut down to the whole thing. So if that's the case when that happens, I mean, that's 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 their right to do that. I still will continue on with my education of what I'm trying to teach about how to use it. Um, Not so much the history, but how to use it. And I still think um, people are open to it. And what I find is there's a lot of paranormal communities and groups that have reached out to me. And even people that in private who have reached out to me and said, "Um, thank you for coming forward because there's others like you who do use it. And have great results so you know I get a mixed bag but overall it's been a very positive reception
0: and, and merch you've been researching the boards for a long time so I'm sure you've run into a lot of that as well when you're out speaking you're out presenting the history of these boards uh, you've probably got some people who tell you you know you're you're, you're doing the devil's work
2: yeah, you know, so I've been—I um, probably am doing the devil's work, but it, that has nothing to do with Ouija boards. <laughs> um, but um, I, you know, when I started uh, 20 years ago, the the first people to give me an opportunity to speak at these conventions uh, were the Ghost Hunters. Um, Amy Bruni, actually, thanks to Jeff Belanger, who always seems to be at the the heart of getting anything done in this world. He, he, um,
0: he literally is the Kevin Bacon of the paranormal. He,
2: he's, it, it's, it's really scary, <laughs> but it's true. He even plays um,
0: mediocre guitar, too.
2: I, I have heard that. He hasn't played for me, and from what I hear, that, that's a good thing. But um, he he actually convinced Amy Bruni to uh, let me come and speak at, at one of these um, conferences many, many years ago at uh, the uh, Mount Washington hotel when beyond reality events were doing them there. And, you know, in the beginning, it was so uh, slanted the other way that they were so bad and horrible that I wasn't allowed to bring any of the vintage boards at all. And oh, wow. I didn't stay there. I just went and spoke and then left. Um, and so it's been kind of neat to be somewhat part of a movement of educating people so that the stigma isn't that bad anymore. And in fact, now, you know, I get to go to a lot of events and, and talk about the history and explain to people, but try to get them to think about this rationally. Because, you know, as everyone knows, we're so slanted based on pop culture, televisions, media, stories, urban legends, you know, legend tribulations. For- All of this stuff really plays a role into why we think and believe what we believe. And so, to me, it's been amazing to see the community that Ouija boards came out of back in the late 1800s actually embrace the idea of at least talking about it. And I think Karen has seen the same thing.
0: Well, I've... You know, we've had discussions in the past, both privately and on the air, about where this stigma came from originally. And it seems to be kind of an amalgamation of things to some degree. Uh, you have the religious overtones, you know, the, the, the people who are in organized religion who don't want to see people communicating with spirits on a one-on-one basis. They need you to come into the church to, to commune with spirits. Uh, we've also seen the, you know, the social aspect of a breakdown. It's not what it used to be as a a parlor game and something that brought people together. Um, I'll ask each of you, Karen, what do you see as the biggest reason why uh, Ouija boards have been, uh, you know, deemed evil and why they have been uh, shunned by so many?
1: Well, I think there's two prevailing schools of thought, and you definitely covered one of them, one being religion. And a lot of times if you don't follow the the, um, popular uh, rote way of, of, of following a group um, you're said that you're stepped outside the line so they consider it more demonic And it, um, so the other the other point of view would be more along the lines of science where science will see it mostly as quackery anything again that goes outside of their domain of what they can control or, or, or based on rational thoughts and linear thinking that falls outside of their ability to see it as something else so you get the idiomotor effect you know, when you look at science or you get the demonic effects when you look at real, when, uh, some of the um i shouldn't say all but some religious views you know <clears throat> a lot of people fear when you're speaking to something that's unseen or even let's say you're speaking let's say you're speaking to your higher self which i did nothing but four years experiment of speaking to my higher self um which would you could probably call the ED motor effect just doing that is kind of different for people and it's outside their box of what they think is is um rational or what they think you really can do um <clears throat> The board, because, because these two different viewpoints really has fallen, <laughs> has fallen from its grace, uh, for those reasons. And it became more ominous and scary because you can't explain it. And, and, and if you want to try to explain it, you got to explain it under something that people can understand. And so that's why I think it became more like demonic or, or scary or possessed or wrong or quackery or, you know, as it is with science. So it, it just got stuck between those two. And I, and I think it still is, although, as Robert mentioned, more and more people are being more open to reaching out and understanding about it and talking about it. I, I think because things have changed so much in our society in terms of um, the information age, you know, here we are speaking right now, I'm I, Robert's in Montreal, I'm in California, you're on the East Coast, and we're having this conversation like we're all in the same room. Just the fact that our data packets can transmit so quickly like this over wireless lines, I think people are starting to go, wow, maybe there is so much more out there we can't see. Because after all, this internet is wired and, st- and you know our phones are so to work on that those wavelengths i think people are beginning to understand that there's other wavelengths out there we can't necessarily see for healing and also for prom- promoting growth and understanding of you know what the world is about
0: and and merch i'll ask you too the You know, the Ouija board is kind of seen as like, you know, it was like the pipe organ of the spiritualist era. You know, it was like their way of communicating with the spirits, their their clarion call to let the spirits know that they were out there and that they were giving praise or willing to communicate or what have you. Do you think that part of the board's hit of its reputation also came as part of the hit to the reputation of the spiritualist church?
2: I think, you know, so what's interesting is in in history or any historian, the, the first thing you have to do is see something in the time it was seen. So it's really hard for us to discuss or wrap our brains around a time when playing the Ouija board was seen as acceptable by the general public. And, and look, right away when the Ouija board came out, it had its critics. There were people who were claiming they went crazy by playing the Ouija board, and those were very early stories. But the overwhelming public saw this as entertainment or, you know, a parlor game. And so if we look at it from a historian's view, you're coming off in 1886 is when we have the first talking boards that, that look and work exactly the way the Ouija works. And... Um, We come off of the Civil War, a time when every family in the United States was touched by such massive death, and death was seen as something that was just so part of the culture. You know, you'd have seven children, and you were lucky if two or three of them lived. And so, you know, you see, if we look back, we see these very morbid pictures of families posing with their dead children, and yet... They wanted to remember that person, and so they dress them up before they bury them. We look at that as, oh, this is terrible. Right. But children didn't have the same lives they have today. So when we look at, oh my God, I would never let my child play with a Ouija board. Ouija boards are in the toy store. How can this be? You know, think back to a time when children worked at the age of nine mm-hmm. because they were just small adults, and we didn't protect them. Them from death because they saw death just as much as we did, and so to see these early boxes from the 1890s depict an entire family playing the Ouija board with a little kid holding a teddy bear with to a grandmother, this was just something the whole family did. So it's not that the Ouija board has changed; we've changed. We've made the world and even uh, paranormal and ghost hunting very scientific. I put that with quotes. We use a lot of gadgets that make things feel very sterile. And the the first real critics of the Ouija board were mediums. And so, I mean, think about this. This is business. And, you know, a lot of the story about the Ouija board does relate to capitalism but so this early spiritualist movement the talking boards come out of that and yet the first people to bash it are mediums well why well think about it up until then if you wanted to make contact with the other side you had to hire a medium you had to pay the person you had to go see them well suddenly for a dollar 25 you could have a mini séance in your room so who do you think suffered From this, you know, immediately. So the the line that we read really early, I have some great articles where spiritualists and mediums who are saying this is saying, Look, this is dangerous. You don't know who you're reaching out to. You need someone experienced like myself to guide you through this unseen world. Now, that we hear this very same line today, but it meant something really different because it was coming from people whose business was suffering. And, you know, it, it is always funny for you to see this kind of um, this thing where people pay a lot of money to come to these conferences and, as you know, and have these experiences. And when I talk, I ask them, How many people believe the Ouija board can make contact with the other side? A lot of people's hands go up. How many people believe if we did it right now, you'd have an experience? Same number of hands go up. How many people will do it? No hands go up. So people pay a lot of money for these experiences, but not to have it. So, you know, it it, it starts real early with um, the Ouija board has part of this reputation because it it fell in 1890 after it was named into this mass manufactured. So suddenly millions of these things were put into people's households. And and just think about this. We don't have the numbers for the early company, but if we think that the numbers Hasbro has released are from 1967 to 2010, 13 million Ouija boards were made. Wow! So just think about From 2014 to 1890, I mean, we're talking about something that is just, again, millions and millions and millions. So um, the fact that we hear the occasional story of my cousin's brother's next door, neighbor's aunt's uncle's, you know, (laughs) person had played the board and ended up being possessed. It's so few compared to how many are out there, but it doesn't matter because a lot of what I think Karen will get into, which is great, is belief. So people believe these things are bad. And unlike the other tools like a K2 meter maybe um, or an EVP recorder, we give Ouija its own being. It's the Ouija board's fault. The Ouija board called us. Get that board out of your house. And we don't do that to a K2 meter. Like the K2 meter blinks and we're psyched. Right. It answers our questions. We don't be like, get that thing out of here. I'll never have another K2 meter in my house. But with the Ouija board, it's just been around so long. And it's been through so many generations of urban legends and stories and beliefs that it has its own life. It has its own story. And so you know, part of it for me researching is trying to research each one of those tracks so I try not to just research its history and the people behind it but also its urban legend story and and all that plays into why we think today about it unlike we used to
0: so $13 million from 1967 to now, plus however many were manufactured before 1967. And I, I can only think that John Zaffis could only bless and bury so many of them in the river behind his house. <laughs> I know that he's done a few, but <laughs> not that many. Uh, so there are enough circulating around there that it's, it's got to come out. And I can tell you firsthand that I've seen the social aspect of the Ouija board. If you are investigating... And we do these Legend Trips events all the time, and we have all the different tools. We go from old school uh, all the way up to the latest gadgets, and we will have uh, a K2 out, say. We will have uh, a melmeter out, whatever. We'll have them laid out, and people will want to see the interaction of the spirit with them. But if... They are a skeptic. You know, They're going to move away pretty quickly. They're going to move on. They're not going to sit there and watch these lights blink or these numbers change for very long because they don't believe in the phenomenon that is causing it to happen. However, you bring out that Ouija board, and it doesn't matter if they're a skeptic, if they're a true believer, what have you. Everybody is glued to what's happening with that board. And I've only started using them myself personally uh, for the last, I don't know, eight months or so. Uh, mainly because I'd tried one once before and it didn't do anything, so I didn't bother to ever pull one out again. But I, I started to realize, you know, Legend Trips events aren't about what I want to use. It's about what the people want to use. So I picked up a board and we tried using it and some amazing things took place. So if I go over to my family's house now, they know that I've usually got a Ouija board in the trunk of my car and they'll ask me to bring it in. And this is something that, you know, previously they would have laughed at the notion of, but now it becomes when everybody's together, it's like, hey, let's pull it up. It's, it's starting to gain some of that uh, societal aspect once again.
2: Yeah, it, it's, it's pretty fascinating. And, you know, the fact that um, Hasbro so the Ouija board, uh, went under kind of renovations and last year Hasbro released a new version that has uh, a black light in it. And, um, another company called winning moves. Great, great company. Great people, um, make a Ouija classic kind of a throwback to the nineties version. And, and, um, So they're selling like, you know, hand over fist. And then there's also a Ouija movie coming out. And uh, so for listeners, just like Hasbro did Transformers and G.I. Joe, um, they're also doing Ouija, which will come out, I think it's April 24th of this year. And, um, And then again, with Ouija turning 125 next year. There's just a lot going on in the world of Ouija, as well as, I mean, just the success of Karen's book. I mean, you know, and how well it's received. If she had done that book 10 years ago, I'm not sure we'd be even be able to talk about it because I don't think it would be getting talked about. But, um, one, because of, you know, Karen's great personality and, and her kind of wonderful way she explains it, just the fact that people are talking about it again and it's made such a resurgence kind of follow that paranormal interest crest, it's pretty cool. I mean, like, you know, again, when I started, there was a huge debate at one of these Ghost Hunters um, events. We were in Cooperstown, New York, and Chip Coffee was there, there, and Hasbro had sent a couple cases of boards for people to use at this event. And it was this huge debate with Jason and Grant as to whether we could use them. And I'm like, w- everyone's here to to make contact. That how can you yeah. not use one of the ones that's been around from the beginning? And and in the end, to their credit, they did against their you know better judgment. They did let us use them, and everyone had a good time. And now, as you know, you know Hasbro is is really great. Supplies me with a lot of them, so we can get people playing. And we've never, as you've known, uh, twenty years later, no one has gone home possessed. So <laughs> so far,
1: that you know of but that I know. <laughs> True. <laughs> well,
0: and Karen, Bob makes a great point. It is about belief. Uh, and, and really, if you are somebody who is not open to the possibility of anything coming through this board, chances are nothing will. You know, if you're the hardcore skeptic and you sit down on this board, you're not going to suddenly get blown away. But if you're willing to open – maybe, but for the most part, no. And if you're willing to open yourself up, though – The same thing could happen whether you have that board in your hands or not. If you can achieve that higher wavelength, you can make communication even if you don't have the board. The board is just a tool to help make that easier and more understandable, right?
1: I I agree with what you just said. Uh, Now, I will say this. I've done plenty of sessions where there might be a skeptic in the room, Mm -hmm. and I still get great information as long as they're not touching the board. (laughs) Right, yeah. Because what they're going to do, if they feel any subtle movements, um, they're not going to allow those movements to move through you when i do the board and and one of my partners i work with who works the board we really well um we find that we get we feel energy go through our arms. We feel energy go through our arms and it's it's not like it's in my body, it's the energy of vibration we feel and we feel that through the planchette and I can feel it in the room when I open the portal. It becomes tuning to like you as you said, a frequency. So you tune to the you, you tune in to this vibrating frequency which we're all connected and a part of. And it and it means that we're really not separate, you know, we're just really atoms and molecules are vibrating at a certain speed, right? So we break that speed and go through it somehow. We we can attach and connect to many other and other things and they can come to us now if you don't believe you're going to have a really hard time opening to this it's like um you know being open to remembering your dreams at night if you go i don't dream i'm close to my dreams you're not going to remember them most likely but once you put that plant that seed your 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 brain your mind has a great way and so does your heart has a great great way of bringing that forth for you so doing it with this with the skeptic it can still work but their hands on the board i won't do it the other thing reason why i won't i don't mind if they're in the room it's because i don't want that energy the energy i find no matter who i use the board with and i don't use it with many many people at all although since you know i've been doing this for now 41 years i have in the past many people but what i've learned is the quality of the communication is reflected and related to the quality of our connection to each other and to the energy so the more this person has done their does and their own spiritual personal work and works from their heart vibration and meditates and tries to get in that space the better we are at connecting and the more i have to do my work i mean i have a responsibility when i do this to do my work with the opening of the portal and do my own personal work on myself that will allow me to to reach better vibrations and so doing that with somebody who's working on this kind of level it allows all kinds of interesting uh, unfathomable communication to come through um, so You know, I'm here to say the board works. I'm not here to tell everybody to use the board, but I'm here to say have an open heart and open mind about it and look to it as possibly another way to move into other dimensions and communicate. And and I love what Robert said when he says, you're not gonna throw out the K2 box. Um, And just be open to it, just because it's an ominous looking board. And mine's old school, mine's from the early 70s, and I still use that one today. And and I like Robert, I I also collect older boards, just not as many as he has. But I I use them, I try them all out. And each one has a different vibration too, but it's also based more upon my vibration I bring, my energy, my thoughts, my feelings, my preparation to that session, touching that planchette, and opening that portal. And because there's a seriousness attitude I have about it, and there's you know it's not fun and games anymore. Is I've gone through all those stages myself, that it's, it works. It works for me, and and we get really profound uh, messages for that reason. And I've had a lot of people come that aren't that don't know don't expect anything and are skeptical and they've really come <clears throat> like to say left the session as a little bit more open and more of a believer it's not my goal but my goal is for people to be a little more open with what the world consists of and what we believe it consists of and really understand that we can really reach far out much further out than we ever thought we could
0: See, I just, I can't believe the fact that uh, the same people who are posting, and I'm not attacking anybody personally, but, you know, I put these questions out on my Facebook debates, and I've been doing these daily paranormal debates, and I said, well, you know, this is getting a lot of traction, people are really commenting, you know, I'm getting people from Haunted Collector, from Ghost Hunters, they're all chiming in with their thoughts, so I'm thinking, maybe I should actually... Put this in the direction of what we're going to talk about on the show this week. So that's why I put up a couple Ouija questions this week. And plus, you know, it's one of those things that's a hot button issue, uh, even all these years later. And so I put it up there. And these are the same people who will, uh, you know, put a lot of faith in what's coming through the other devices, but the board is something that they cannot. Uh, They don't even want to consider it a research tool because of what you had mentioned earlier, Karen, the ideomotor effect, the possibility that it is us moving it, whether it be consciously or subconsciously, that if that's the case, but I look at it a different way. If that's the case, if it's our own subconscious moving that planchette, well, how do we know that's not because our subconscious is making that spiritual, that psychic, that whatever you want to call it type of connection?
1: You know, I, I think we're going to bring up a great point. I think it's a little bit both, and um, this is what this is what I believe. Because I, I already talked about how we are really molecules and atoms vibrating at a certain speed, which appears for us to look solid. Mm-hmm. Well, if you break that down into quantum physics and really look at the the, the sub-atomical, subatomic level of this, you really understand that we are not solid beings as a human corporeal being. We just think we are. So in that sense, just bear me out on this one. I'm going to go out there and say, with given that, if we could somehow in our consciousness of these vibrating molecules connect with another vibration and match that frequency communication a connection can happen call i'll call it communication call it connection
0: harmonic resonance
1: it is called harmonic resonance. Thank you for that word. That was Matt, right? Thank yeah. you. You're, okay, welcome. So you're You're absolutely right. And I also call it the matrix of all. So we, we tap into this matrix of harmonic resonance. That's exactly what it is. And what happens is we begin to feel those vibrations coming back through us, and it finds a way to communicate with us in our way or vice versa. Now, am I really separate from that entity or that consciousness I'm talking to? Now, on this theory of this level we're talking about, no, I'm not. I'm really of the exact same energy it's of, so maybe that really is my subconscious mind or my higher self further out from my body, because that's not physical. I truly believe that as a spiritual, it's more of a spiritual answer. You have to go about this in a spiritual manner, that that's so much larger than I am. So if it's so much larger than I am, it's not stuck in my head and my brain. So I want to say, yes, it is idiomotor in a sense, because I'm tapping into an energy. It's really existence, a part of my vibration of the, of the matrix of all, of that resonance we're all connected to. Okay, but then if I want to answer it so everybody understands, I'll just say, well... I really believe that um, these entities, these energies, are coming through me and they're allowing the board to be pushed. I think it's a combination of both. They couldn't do it without me, and I couldn't do it without them, and we were both a, a vibrating at a similar level of frequency. That's why it's so important you don't imbibe in in, um, in, in drinks or, or you know booze, uh, mind-altering substances or body-altering substances when you do this, because you want to have a clarity about yourself, and you want to have that clarity come through in your vibrations. You want to be fully conscious in this work. And therefore you get a consciousness that comes back to that same level so idiomotor you know i can't prove i can't prove if it is if it isn't but i can tell you what i feel and i can tell you what i get and that's really all i can do at this point but i think it's a little bit of both
0: well and and march 124 years of history you've been chronicling uh, pretty much all of it in in your time of studying the boards nobody's been able to prove one way or another whether or not we're moving it subconsciously
2: Yeah, I think, you know, kind of a fascinating um, thing that happens with this is, you know, people try to put it in a bucket. Like, is it idiomotor? Is it you're talking to uh, your subconscious? Is it that you're talking to something else? And I think it's different. Like Karen said, it doesn't always play out one or the other. I think there are some people who have this amazing talent when they sit at the board to talk to their subconscious, to really open up their minds Then I've sat through seances where I don't know what's, I can't explain it. You know, I just, it seems to be more than that. And, you know, that's what keeps the mystifying Oracle mystifying all these years later. But I think it just, it's funny to me that people place this difference on the board than the other devices. And and then again, I have to bring it back to Jeff Belanger. His ears will be burning tonight. But, um, you know, all these years ago, we were sitting at uh, one of these Mentions and we were sitting through um, a ghost hunt, and right after him and I had been lectured about the evils of the Ouija board and how you know back in that day it was the first thing on any investigation that was on television. When people would say something was happening in their house, they'd say, "Did you use a Ouija board here?" Like as if that was <laughs> the thing that, that did it. So, so this that's the you know that's the setting of this. We just get and then all of a sudden people put out their K two meters and the people leading the hunt. Say, is anyone here? Are there any messages for us? Is there anyone you want to talk to? And Jeff and I look at each other, and he immediately goes, isn't this a Ouija board session? And so I start laughing, thinking, okay, we can't use a Ouija board. And then in my interviewing and, and doing a documentary on the Ouija board, I interview um, Lorraine Warren, who I'm sure the listeners know. Fascinating woman, truly, true. The best interviews I've ever done actually were with her. She truly believes her experiences and what she's seen, and I really fall with her on this. So that. She believes that Ouija boards are no more dangerous than any act of making communication. So she sees that there is danger in talking to the unknown um, regardless. So tarot cards, uh, crystal gazing, conjuring, it's all asking something to communicate with you. And And I really vibe with that, that I don't understand, you know, Casper the friendly ghost never came down and gave me the rule book that said, if you use a K2 meter, it's fine. But if you use a Ouija board, I have you. You know, I just, I don't logically, I don't understand the difference between once you make contact and if something can make a K2 meter blink, I can't make it blink, not consciously. That If, if it can do that, it can probably pick it up and hawk it at my head. So I don't, you know, I kind of am amazed by the whole experience. So anytime you know, that you're using these things, I think you're potentially, you're putting yourself in an an interesting situation. You're exploring something you don't know, don't understand. And it just seems funny to me that the board, again, has so much power, you know, um, and I use this example all the time. Like right now, we're, we're all talking to each other through this technology. And imagine we get into a fight, we call each other names, I never want to talk to you again. You know, I I don't hang up the phone, throw out my iPhone and say, I'll never have another one of these in my house again. But (laughs) a Ouija board, you know, tells you to, you know, F off and suddenly it's the evil thing. And, And I, I honestly think it's a commentary on human, the humanness of us that we don't want to take responsibility that Ouija boards do open a portal. It's, us making communication with something else. It is simply a tool. You know, there's no mystical magicalness out of letters and numbers. You can make these things at home. You don't, you can, you know, just tear paper apart and use a glass. It's that something, you, the Ouija board or talking boards puts you in a place to open up your mind. And whether that opens up a portal to the other side or to your subconscious, both are amazing. I mean, we do not understand the brain and how it works and it's power. We just get some little percentage of it. And so we have to give the Ouija board the power because when we get scared, we don't want to take responsibility that that was us. We did that. We initiated it. We have the power. We give it to the board and that way if we throw the board out, okay, it's all over. It's done with. But You know, Karen. As you know, there, there are mediums who don't need devices. They speak to either their higher self, their guides, the other side, their subconscious, without a board. And so, again, what's interesting is this thing that has been around for so long and so simple gets this huge reaction. Meanwhile, they'll then put a you know recorder in an in insane asylum and be like, "Is there anyone here?" You know, and then they're like, oh, my God, the messages were crazy. Well, you were in a sale sign. I mean, that's what happens. <laughs> you know, like you're going to hear crazy things. But I just always think it's funny. Now, a, a difference I will give people that have ever played um, a talking board versus any of these other things, that if you do EVPs, it's not immediate. It's, you may not hear the things. So, you know, you ask your questions, and you're lucky if you get to hear something, but mostly you have to. You know, sit back for hours and go through the the audio to find that there was a message. And a K two meter, you could you know be a hundred feet away and watch it blink. But with a talking board, something special and different does happen. I mean, you feel it move, you hear it that felt kind of go across the board. You're part of it. So I think technology does a disservice to us. Because, one, I think people feel safer um, because they are disassociated with it. They can stand back. Whereas a Ouija board, like Karen said, it doesn't work without your hands on it. As many stories as we've heard about the planchette flying around without us right. touching it, I have never experienced that. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm not saying I don't believe in telekinesis or any of that. I just haven't experienced it. So I just – something – you know, you have uh, believers – Non believers and the people who just want to sleep with one of the people that's playing the Ouija board. That tends to be usually how this works. And so they're, they're good to go for what any, what's ever going to happen. They're like, yeah, yeah, let's play. And, <laughs> you know, like, and then it's interesting is once it starts to move, the person who is the non believer becomes the most spooked. Like they're the first ones to pull their hands off that board. Like, holy crap, this right. thing's working. No way. Exactly. And it's like, whoa, you know, how can this be happening? And so, It gets really quiet. Time kind of slows down. You're concentrating on this, and you're just watching these letters get spelled out. And You keep thinking, oh, my God. So to me, you know, personally, and I think Karen feels the same way, it's as amazing if it's your subconscious as if it's something else. I I just, for you not to know that you might be talking to yourself is pretty cool.
0: All right. That is amazing, and one of the things that I've noticed, too, in my, again, I don't have as much research as, as you guys do into these boards, but one thing that I've noticed, and I picked up on pretty quickly, is the experience of using the board and the responses that come out of it kind of fit the mood, the attitude, the approach of those who are using it. So if I'm using it with a bunch of seasoned investigators who just see it as another tool in the toolbox, we will get... Answers that seem to be uh, vital to our investigation, things that seem to be related to the purpose at hand. If I'm doing it with some people who are very apprehensive of it or maybe aren't as knowledgeable about the paranormal, say, and they just think about the stigma that's attached to the boards, well, then all of a sudden I've got something coming through claiming to be a demon and telling us to F off. Mm -hmm. And it seems like that – it's almost like the prevailing attitude of the group, and I don't know if it is their subconscious affecting it. I don't know if it is what spirits it will attract to the board. But for some reason, it seems to take on the personality of the mood of the group, the personality of those who are using it to some degree. If you you understand what I mean, I don't know if you've seen that in your research as well, but it just seems to be reflective of the reasons and the approach to using the board.
1: Well, I would say, yes, it can be. Although I've done some experiments where, like I said, I have skeptics and there, are people that I'm aware in the other room that I'm using it and to see what happens in that case. So I do think there's a, there's a, there's a effect that you get when people are in the room and, and many people gather and you have a certain energy you create together and it's the mood, it's the ambiance. And I talk about that a lot in my book, how to create an ambiance for the, for the, the, of the intentions but also what you want to have out of that interaction. I think the important part when you use the Ouija, what we should probably address is what are your intentions for using it? And what kind of, um, what kind of interaction do you want? Is it that you want to speak to your subconscious mind and your higher self? Do you want to speak to an angel of yours? Do you want to speak to somebody who you dearly loved and departed? And so going about on that level, I find that really influences too. What I find is not only do, does our energy influence the board, what I find is that people that come influences but the peak but the energy on the other side I want to say people because it could be deceased people a lot of people like to come into my sessions to speak to departed people or loved ones that they're fearful of or, or afraid they' they're, they're not at rest and so I get a lot of questions about that and so that's what comes through a lot of times for those people but it, but they even tell me on the other side I'll say the other side for better use of words sure but what they yeah what they tell me is that um, they will they will only come through with the energy that they they can um, gather up to or garner up to use they need helpers sometimes if they're still kind of recovering from their death or or the shock of being dead or or their or their energy is somewhere else working on something else at that moment but it's their energy that, that, that creates the ambience it's my energy i bring to the tip board it's the energy of the people in the room if there are people in the room it's energy of what i did that day what i'm thinking about in my mind how i'm feeling and one more thing that i think people might be really surprised to hear it's also the energy of the atmosphere there's a lot of atmospheric effect that will affect a Ouija board. Hmm. Now I liken this to the wireless world, because my other real job, <laughs> my real job, is in telecommunications, and so I work in the wireless community and help design and develop cell towers for your wireless phones. That's why I talk a lot about it. But what, I, but with, even with cell to, cell phones and the wireless um, frequency, the, the radio waves on these. Antennas and these poles—they only work as well as, as the, the atmosphere is working. For example, you have some real bad storms, thunderstorms. They may not be working. You have solar flares that will also affect these towers. Well, in this exact same manner, this kind of wireless communication over this board—the energy, the the level of frequency energy—is also affected on that level too. So it's many different um, items, uh, constituents of this piece that, uh, of this of this uh, communion that come together that affect it so we have to look at all those different levels and as I'm learning more and more and speaking to more and more different types of energies it just widens that much more um, the atmospheric effect and planet, also planetary effects, we can go out that far as well, that will influence it too. And so there, I'm learning, and I think I started learning about the planetary and atmospheric effects in about the early 90s. But it took me from the early 70s to get there to understand that. to about 20 years <laughs> to learn about that. So I know there's other things that probably affected it that I'm not aware of. And there was a point I wanted to make, which... Um, Kind of dovetails with what Robert was speaking about. And, and I love that, Robert, you brought up about the shadow side of people. You know, we don't necessarily want to own if something negative comes through that maybe, maybe we created it, you know. We don't want to own it. We want to quickly put it away, which is, which is, that's healthy too when it comes to the board work and then working on the other side. But once on a radio show, um, I had somebody ask me and they said, what's most important about doing the Ouija? They said, is the board or is it the planchette? And my answer was me. Because the board and planchette is just plastic, cardboard, masonite. Mine right here is masonite or, or old wooden boards, planks put together. It, that's not the important part. There's no power. And I want to reiterate and dovetail again what Robert said. There's no power in this item. And and I have no, been known to, you know, ouija will travel. And I don't have my ouija with me, but I'll take out a paper sack, write the letters and and, and uh, numbers down, and, and double old fashion turned over, and there I go with my with my ouija board. I don't you don't see that need that tool. I also don't need a Ouija board to do my work, although the Ouija board is something I use as an educational tool, and it works with a lot of people who come to circles to see it. Well, I, hate but we to, really I hate
0: to it. hold you right there, but we are up no against a break for the news. Uh, so I definitely want to get back into this on the other side. I also have some questions that may relate to your day job as well, Karen. Uh, we can get into all of that, and we'll talk more about the history of the Ouija as well with merch. So stay tuned, everybody. We are going to take a break uh, for the news, and we will be talking about Ouija throughout the entire course of the program tonight. If you have any questions that you would like to ask Bob or you'd like to ask Karen or both of them, you can give us a call, 508 996 you can email them to us, spooky crew at spooky com. You can tweet them to us at spooky SC. I do not have access to the chat on my screen, but Matt Costa can let us know if anything pops up there as well on spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com So we will be back following the news with more spooky south coast. Supernatural is something that isn't supposed to. It doesn't. Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. wiseberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. Talking about the paranormal as we do each and every Saturday night. Programming note, we will be back next Saturday night at this time. Again, depending on the sports schedule. But I, I think we're good that day. I think I checked because we'll have a special guest here with us in the spooky studio. The one and only Amy Bruni will be here from Ghost Hunters. And uh, she'll be here to talk with us about a variety of things, including her upcoming event at the Lizzie Boyden Bed and Breakfast. We're gonna, we're gonna give her a little bit of a a prep, you know, a primer of what kind of activity she can expect there uh, for her upcoming event with Adam Berry at the Lizzie Boyden Bed and Breakfast. She's also going to be a guest along with Adam and the Spooky Crew and numerous others at TerrorCon, which is coming up June seventh and eighth at the Rhode Island Convention Center in Providence. And this show just keeps getting bigger and better, and the it's an incredible amount of people uh, who will be uh, part of. Terracon, and let me just go to the site real quick so I can get you up to date on the absolute latest and guests that will be there. We have, I know from the paranormal side now, Jeff Belanger is going to be there. We've been mentioning his name all night, but we usually do here on Spooky South Coast. Jeff Belanger, Amy Bruni, Adam Berry, Joe Chin, you know, the... Three of them from the various incarnations of Ghost Hunters on television. Uh, some guy named Tim Weisberg will be there along with John Brightman, Tom D'Agostino, Tiffany Rice, Keith and Sandra Johnson, Vin Pacheco. It's a virtual who's who of the paranormal here in southeastern, South, southern New England. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure Andy Lake is going to be coming by. I'm sure Mike Markowitz will be coming by. We're going to have a Bridgewater Triangle nice. screening. ...of the Bridgewater Triangle documentary. So I'm sure a lot of the cast members from there will come along as well. And the big-name guests on the other side, they have the rock, wrestling, and horror guests. And uh, we've got so many people. Linda Blair, Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister, Stephen Pearcy, the legendary voice of Rat, uh, Aaron Murphy, the original Tabitha from Bewitched, Kane Hodder and Tony Moran, you know them as Jason and Michael Myers, respectively, uh, Roger Jackson from Scream, Dee Wallace... Irony Singleton from The Walking Dead, Lou Temple, Madison Lynz, Vincent M. Ward, all these cast members from The Walking Dead, a monster's reunion with Butch Patrick and Pat Priest, as well as Felix Silla, Lisa Loring from The Addams Family, the cast of Sci-Fi Channel's Face Off, just added this week, Nicholas Brendan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Criminal Minds. Uh, so many names, so many people, and I'm excited, of course, to see Charles Wright, formerly known as The Godfather, slash Papa Shango, slash... Go up, father slash Kama Mustafa. <laughs> the boogeyman. Another uh, great wrestling character will be there as well. Oh, and look, our friend Chuckles the Clown from the Chuckles oh, nice. and Laugh Show. He has now been announced along with Uncle Fright, uh, Dr. Chris, and Penny Dreadful. So uh, plenty of people there representing sci-fi, horror, rock and roll, wrestling, the paranormal. It's all happening at TerrorCon, happening June 7th to the 8th, the Rhode Island Convention Center in Providence. If you go to the website, TerrorCon.net, you can get your tickets now. But if you're a member of Groupon... The Providence Groupon is offering a ridiculous discount. It's something like 40% off on the tickets if you're a Groupon member for Providence. So you can go there and you can get humongous savings and you can use the money that you're saving. Hold on to it because very shortly we are going to be announcing paranormal investigations tied into Terracon. So the nights of Terracon, we will be having ghost hunts. At the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast, maybe at some other places. We're still working on some details, mm-hmm. but definitely at the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast. So you'll be able to join us as we hunt for ghosts. And you never know; some of these celebrities might want to come along too. Right? You never know. You could be investigating for ghosts right alongside Kane Hodder, who is a paranormal investigator. And it's just—it's blowing my mind to think—you know—you you could be in the basement of Lizzie Borden's with <laughs> Dee Snyder. <laughs> That'd be insane. <laughs> You never know what could happen. So we're going to have all the details coming soon for that. But one thing that we do have all the details for, if you would like to come and investigate with us and with Jeff Belanger, you can join us at our next Legend Trips event. It is happening July 12th at the Murdoch Whitney House in Winchenden, Massachusetts. It's, uh, it's only $99 to come and spend the entire evening. You get dinner. You get lectures, you get a, a tour of the property, and you get hours of guided investigation. We've got all the tools. We've got our Ouija boards. We've got Jeff just picked up some dowsing rods. We've got, uh, you know, the K2s. We've got the Melmeters. We've even got the Kinect system that everybody's going crazy about. We have that. Legend Trips is the only group using one of those at these events designed and given to us by Bill Chapel, We use them at our events. We will have it at the Murdoch-Whitney House uh, on July 12th in Wichenden, Massachusetts. Here's the catch, though. There's not a great amount of tickets left, so you don't want to wait too long to get your tickets. But a lot of people are saying they're waiting to find out about a hotel deal before they purchase their tickets. Something's going on up in that neck of the woods the weekend of July 12th. Because there is not a lot of hotel rooms to be found, Hmm. at least in terms of trying to get a block group deal. So if you want to come along, if you've already bought your ticket, if you're thinking about buying a ticket, I highly encourage you to contact some of the hotels, the motels, the inns, the bed and breakfasts, everything that's up in that area, and make your own reservation. Don't wait for us to get a deal because it looks like we might not be able to get one for this event. Sometimes that happens. We try as hard as we can. We love to be able to meet up with everybody in the same hotel, have breakfast the next day, talk about our experiences, but it looks like that might be a little bit harder this time around. So if you go on Priceline or Orbitz or any of those sites and you find a deal that works for you and your budget, jump on it. And I'm not about staying at a Super 8 or any of these other, you know, low budget red roof ins. Right. What are these other, you know, the ones that are like $49 a night? All you need when you get out of a Legend Trips event at 2 a.m., okay. all you need is a bed. Just Maybe a up. toilet, because Maybe. we usually have pizza for dinner. And you <laughs> might have Taco Bell for breakfast. You don't know. Right. So <laughs> you, need, you, know, you just need a bed. So don't get too fancy. Don't go in, and waste you know, $150 on getting Even
1: if the presidential sweets. Dates.
0: Right. Well, <laughs> it, you should be getting a – I find out that when you say there, it's half off. So, just the top half usually, uh, but you know you can find pretty good deals, and that's all you need. You just need a bed, and it's July, July twelfth. Maybe there's a campground around. Stake a tent. That's a good idea. Grab a sleeping bag. Sleep under the stars. July in Winchester It's beautiful that time of year. So uh, we'll we'll try and keep seeing what we can do about securing a hotel room deal, but. I don't know. I don't have a good feeling about it, so definitely do not miss your chance. You can get the tickets to the event itself by going to legendtrips.com. We do have some other events planned for later in the year, but that's the only thing on the calendar as of right now. So if you want to come and join us at a Legend Trips event, that is the way to do it. And speaking of deals, we have a very special deal that Karen is offering on her latest book, The Spirits of Ouija, Four Decades of Communication. And Karen, you suggested this to me earlier this week and we had mentioned because it is the anniversary of your first appearance on the show we had mentioned the possibility of having a pajama party tonight and <laughs> we did <laughs> i got to tell you it's pouring here and i had my pajamas on and i thought about coming here in them and I was like, you know, I, ca- I can't do it. They're going to get soaked. They're flannel. I'm going to get, you know, I'll be wearing wet, <laughs> sticky flannel pajamas. So I just threw threw on my jeans and came out. And as I mentioned to you privately, I was a little worried if I told these two guys, Matt and Matt, to come in their pajamas because I'm pretty sure they both sleep in the nude.
1: Right. So what a, you know... And we have a camera to see it all, right. so, hey.
0: That's why it's pointed at me because they came nude anyway. <laughs> Oh, jeez. But uh, but you,
1: you were mentioning
0: that you would like to make a special offer to the listeners of this program.
1: That's correct. Uh, for tonight and through the end of the 30th, which would be the spooking hour, the midnight of March 30th, I'm offering 25% off of The Spirits of Ouija, Four Decades of Communication. You just got to go to my website, which is Karen A. Dalman. K A R E N A D A H L M A N dot com and you order the book directly there. The prices are already fixed for you. So you end up getting the book instead of for fifteen ninety nine, you'll get it for eleven ninety nine. Um and then you pay for your shipping. So that deal is good for your listeners from now until midnight on the thirtieth, which is the anniversary date. So anyway, thank you for having me back and, and I wanted to offer this to your listeners for that reason. Oh,
0: we love having you and thank you so much for that. And you're yeah. gonna sign the books too, right?
1: Absolutely. The books will come autographed with a little message to you.
0: Perfect. And uh, if you need to get to Karen's website, too, you can just go to SpookySouthCoast.com. we got it linked up right on the front page there, uh, as well as uh, a link directly to uh, Robert Merch's page. And you can go through his site. And, of course, it's just like Merch himself, voluminous amounts of information. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find out all kinds of information about uh, Ouija itself and about Merch and and. It seems like you keep peeling back layers, Bob, of the Ouija story more and more. You recently just made a a new connection in the history of Ouija.
2: Yeah, you know, and so... Just real quick before, um, before I talk about that, I wanted to say for the listeners, everyone should really go out and, uh, go to the Karen's website and buy the book. You know, she was wonderful enough to send me a copy and I love it because I'm in the book and I was one of the sources. So <laughs> that makes it even better. But, um, but it's a great book. And, and again, for people who are actually interested in, looking at the communication and and hearing her story and what it's done for her, I think it's fascinating. And, and I, I think for people who are actually interested in using it, it's a great place to start um, to see how it might work for them. And, uh, you know, the question you asked before the break to Karen about um, why things might work depending on the influences around them. Right. I think it's funny that people don't, Put this together kind of more logically in the sense that I know when I wake up in the morning and I wake up in a bad mood and then I, you know, I stub my foot and then I knock my coffee cup over and then I miss my bus and then I'm late and then I spill this. And you know, when you kind of negativity is like a cancer, it spreads incredibly quickly. And you know, this when you're like in a good mood and then someone just kind of like knocks over your stuff or they push you, you know, it's so quickly that your mood can turn. And I think. Uh, you know again it 's that not taking responsibility, like when you sit down to make contact with either your higher self or something you just don 't understand, you know really taking control and really making sure that your head is in a good space and the people around you are taking it seriously, or if you 're just doing it to have fun that it stays fun and positive as opposed to like you know we all have these fun these friends that are funny but they 're really like bad people. You know, it's like you're my friend, but I don't ever want to work with you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like so. Again, those are things people should think about when they sit down to play, because it 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 affects you just like it affects every part of your life. You know, uh, like attracts. You know, it, it's just like when you're when you're in a stage when you're like uh, younger and you're partying and having fun. Those are the people you attract, and as you grow up and get more mature, you attract those type of people. So I I have to believe that in the sense of. Whether you're tapping into your uh, subconscious or the other side, you're attracting the same thing. So uh, my advice after all these years of researching and watching and being part of hundreds of um, Ouija sessions is... Uh, If you come with a bad attitude and you've got a lot of crap going on inside your head and a lot of dysfunction, then you're probably going to have that type of session. If you come into it with your head cleared, very open mind, like Karen said, and kind of your intent is clear, then that's what you're going to get. And also for people who are afraid, you know, it's like anything else. Something scares you. Stop doing it. It's right. a real easy way to, to stop this. You don't have to um, keep playing. You know, if, if something is coming through and it's just, you got a bad vibe, it's saying bad things to you, yeah, there's goodbyes on that board for a reason. See ya. You know, like just sign off, take a break, and, you know, try it again later. If it's, again, I think for people who want to take it outside their house because they think it's the portal, just, you know, just remember it's you that's doing the communicating. So that that's my little answer to that piece and and then kind of moving on to the um history part um there's always been a man who has been somewhat of a legend in Ouija history and his name is um E.C. Resch and uh for for those listeners Charles Kennard uh who lived in Chestertown at the time always claimed from the beginning in 1886 that he had invented and come up with the idea for the Ouija board Um, and later on, it would come out that um, he would tell his story in 1919 in a letter to the editor of the Baltimore Sun that he had taken this idea to his next-door neighbor, this man named E.C. Resch, who made furniture. He made um, coffins. He was an undertaker. He also made um, musical instruments. He was just that kind of guy. And his furniture was so nice. A lot of it was in the White House as well. So very talented guy. Um Charles Kennard would claim that he took this idea to this man named E.C. Resch. They made a dozen or so. They were quite popular in Chestertown. And Charles Kennard says, seeing the future, he moved to Baltimore, where he starts his business, meets some other men that are very important to the story, and they start making Ouija after it's named. So, um, But we also learn in those 1919 letters that E.C. Resch comes very quickly, a year after um, 1890 and 1891, he shows up and says, you're making my invention. Now, we don't know what his proof was, but he proved so convincingly it was his idea, not Charles Kennard, whose company this is, that the directors vote to give him a large share of stock in their company. Wow! And so anyone knows you don't give part of your company away unless you're really sure this guy's telling the truth. Now, again, we don't know what that proof is, but it it pretty much solidifies these early rumors we had found that EC Rush's name kept coming up. And I spent a lot of time in Chestertown in Baltimore. And after this 20 years, I was able to track down three of EC Rush's great, great grandsons. And For anyone who does genealogy, this is really tough because he had a couple sons. They did not have children. So I had to track down his many daughters who obviously got married and their name changes. This is always a very tough one in genealogy. Guess what? They had daughters. Those are the lines we had to follow. So multiple generations of name changing, I was able to track them down and was really neat. The, the They pushed me onto this one great-great-grandson who's in his 70s, and he lived with E.C. Rush's son, which would have been his great uncle. And this is the man who claimed and told the story about his father inventing the talking board. And he heard all these stories that we were able to uncover independently. Doesn't mean they're true, just means that they're both telling the same story. And um, so I was able to meet up with him in um, Washington, D.C., and have a great conversation with him, and he gave me some really great stuff that belonged to E.C. Rush, and the story, just like you said, just keeps on unfolding. And and so for listeners who are asking who did invent the talking board, it's really tough. Um, Um, We do know that that similar devices devices were being used used uh, in uh, in 1886. 1886, In 1886, these stories, stories of talking boards being used in Ohio spring up. And um, at the same time, a company from Massachusetts made what they called the Witch Board, and that was given to President Cleveland as a wedding gift. President Cleveland wrote back. It was published in the, Bo- the uh, Boston Globe. Um, and he said, thanks so much for the gift, but I doubt I'll be using it to um, answer any questions you know, about the presidency anytime soon. So, um, People had a sense of humor back then about it as well. But also Charles Kennard and E.C. Resch claimed that they were inventing it. So we kind of believe it makes sense that uh, Charles Kennard and E.C. Resch, I was able to prove that the story of the uh, Ohio Talking Board was printed in the Baltimore Sun as well as the Chestertown Papers. So they claim to invent it in the same year it hits the uh, associated press and sweeps all over the world. So it's really tough. I mean, there was the Baltimore, Ohio, uh, railroad. So it's possible that this invention, uh, made it in the railroad to Ohio and that's where it happened. It's just tough to discount. And so today we don't really know who, you know, credited it. But if we look at Ouija as its own branch of a talking board, then we look at um, E.C. Resch and Charles Kennard.
0: Well, the the cool thing about it, though, is I'd, I'd rather have it be an open-ended and mysterious origin to it. You know, I'd rather not know the idea of how it came about. I'd, I'd like it to have that, you know, mystifying oracle aura about it forever.
2: Yeah, it's it's tough for me. You know, a historian, my battle is always I want the answers. I want to know. That's why I track down these people. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't want to demystify the mystifying oracle it's 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 very present in my mind and you know while we were on break i was just talking to um karen about one of the fascinating stories i think we talked about this a little bit on uh, the air before is helen peters how up until two years ago the world had forgotten that a woman had been a major part of the story and um That, you know, a woman who was considered a strong medium, we would not have Ouija without her naming the board and going to Washington, D.C. with her brother in law, Elijah Bond, to prove to the patent office that it worked. So there'd be no patent, there'd be no name. And, you know, unfortunately, like so many things at the time, it was really easy to write women out of stories because, you know, that was a man's job and only a man could do something like that. And yet it turns out, you know, like I've said before, I've spent so many years researching the Ouija board's fathers and then it turns out the Ouija board had a mother. And, um, you know, again, being a what's called, you know, her brother-in-law calls her a medium. So, um, It's kind of neat. And then, you know, the other fact that hearing Helen's story that uh, quickly after her naming the board and being part of it and proving it works in the patent office, the Ouija board causes a feud in her family. And uh, she quickly turned her back on the Ouija board, sold her stock in the company until her dying day, told her and her family, anyone who'd listen, never play the Ouija board because it lies. So, you know, you know, again, for people who, who think, what, as I'm telling history and talking about, it, I'm only trying to give the pro side. It, it was, you know, the Ouija board, again, this, the story of Ouija, it's a lot about money and power and who was making it and who had the rights. And very quickly, the woman who was its mother turned her back on that child very quickly when it affected her family.
0: You know, and it's funny because we say all the time that if, uh, you know, if we could actually prove the existence of spirits, if we could create a device, say, a pair of goggles that would, uh, you as soon as you put them on, you can see all the spirits that would be before you. And it works. It's foolproof. We've proven it. There you go. It would be a huge, huge moneymaker for people. And that's why, if any money was going to be pumped into research of the paranormal, that would have to be why there would have to be an end result of how someone could make money off of it. Well, that's the Ouija right. Boy is a perfect example of how you can at least make money off the possibility of it
2: that's right. I mean you know again, having them you know sold you know again just from nineteen sixty seven to um two thousand and ten. Thirteen million boards, and now every year, making and manufacturing gets easier. Distribution is larger. Um, just imagine, like how much money is being made off of the want. The, I mean, and look again. So if we get back to just the basic question, why would you even play a Ouija board in the first place? Um, people want to believe that there's just more to this existence than whatever few years we get here. That you might get the opportunity to say goodbye that you never got to say. That you get to reach out and hear someone's voice or get a message from them one more time. I mean, as, as interesting as the history is and fascinating on how it used, it's a deeply personal human question. You know, where do we fall in the universe? Is, is there more to this? Is, is this it? And so, again, for 1995, you potentially get the answers to all those questions. And it, it really does come to belief. And, you know, I know we keep um, tooting uh, Jeff Belanger's horn, but he's been really groundbreaking and making sure that as many neat devices and tools come out there. You know, <laughs> we were walking in um, Ohio Reformatory uh, many years ago, and it was funny because he was warning me to watch people – so busy looking at their devices that they would bang into a wall mm-hmm. because they forgot that they're actually in this amazingly spooky, dark, creepy place and they're looking to have an experience. And they wouldn't even know if someone smacked them because they're too busy looking at their iPhone app as opposed to using that along with the whole thing. And one of the things I do enjoy about the Ouija board is it, you know, you hear it, you feel it, you see it. So, it really does put you back in touch with the experience of trying to make contact, and I think that 's what you know all your listeners and and why we 're talking about this and why Karen spent forty years trying to to see how it worked for her it 's all very personal and to me all of the all of this neat stuff and all of its history and Hollywood and all the movies the real reason why the Ouija board still sells and why we 're still talking about it is again, it just opens the possibility that. There just might be something else.
0: And the best part about it is it's the one tool you can't walk around looking at while you're in a haunted location. You've got to you gotta stop and use it. You, you know? have
2: to stop and use it. Again, and it, you, you hear it, you feel it, you see it. I mean, it, it to me, it is, it is definitely, and I think that's why it scares people, and I get that, you know, but again, they're part of it, as opposed to putting a tool down and walking away from it. I'm not saying it's not useful and it's not cool, and I love, I mean, look, the, um, you know, the Constantinos are amazing. They are one of my favorite paranormal couples. I love working with them, um, and so I, and the work that they do is just fascinating. And and EVPs are crazy cool. But I don't have a lot of patience. Like I really want to experience it right at the moment. And so, you know, a K two meter blinking far away from me only furthers the fact that something's happening here. And I like being part of it. I like putting my hands on the planchette and asking a question and feeling it move. I mean, that's just cool to think you're part of the connection. Just like Karen said, you know, is it the planchette? Is it the board? It's you. There's no doubt about it. And I love uh, Lorraine Warren for saying that, you know, like you, the day if there's danger. And again, you know, for your listeners, look, I'm not saying I am definitely not saying Ouija boards are not dangerous. I, there is a danger in anything doing that you don't know. We all know, like get in a car and try to teach your kid brother or your, your own kid how to drive. It's scary. You know, (laughs) like letting someone else take the wheel is scary, but at the same time, you never learn how to do something unless you try. And I think, you know, uh, Karen's book is a testament to 40 years of trying to perfect her craft and how she does it. Well,
0: and, You know, we mentioned uh, a few times, Karen, the idea that 13 million boards have been produced uh, since 1967. And who knows how many before that and how many of them are sitting in someone's closet uh, and, and end up getting discovered. As someone who has, you know, 40 years experience with using Ouija boards, is that a concerning amount? out there to you of, of how many people could be misusing it or using it in the wrong way or do you just feel like with your experiences others will have similar experiences of all just work itself out
1: well first all, i want to say that i think half of those millions of boards are in robert murch's house number one That's true. so <laughs> i'm, so I'm too worried actually and then i got got quite a few myself so i think we got almost covered <laughs> <laughs> no and also in all seriousness um uh, you know no I'm not I'm not worried about it. again it is just a, a board and those days and mine mine's Mason. I, li- I like to use and it doesn't do anything it doesn't mean anything unless you have the interaction with it I, I loved the way and I, and I really enjoyed hearing Robert talk about this is a personal thing it is a very personal thing that is probably my enjoyment with it because when it's personal like this and you you get to interact with it you're touching it you're 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 when I say touching it you're touching a placette that moves it's not electronics it's not None of that hocus pocus behind it, you actually start to have a development, a communication, and dialogue, and friendships. I have to say, I don't call them just spirits. I call them my spirit friends. Mm-hmm. And I've had friends with them. These are, some of these are friends I've had longer than real friends in my life. I Maybe mean, I say real, corporeal, physical beings in my life who, over the years, after, you know, many years of developing trust, they don't let me down. In fact, the more I work with these spirits, and I don't just use the board again, I don't use the board when I work with them, but what I find is the deeper our relationship develops. And so this may sound weird to people to have spirit friends, but that's what I have. And they've been around me all my life, and I've just learned to use this tool as one way to learn about them, communicating with them, but also deepen the relationship. I have built some trust with these. Beings because what they've told me, how they've helped me, how they helped others has all been very positive experience. In fact, when you use the board, the way I use the board and you use it, you can get, you could do this right away using the board. It's, It's all about your intentions and understanding that this is not a silly little toy. Oh, let's market it as a toy. But if you learn to use it in a way of reverence and respect and respect for yourself and who you're communicating with you garner that same kind of communication back and if you develop those relationships and keep asking for these same spirit guides to come through they will. They're on the other side, not willing to interfere with us because we have free will. But we'll step forward when you ask. All you have to do is ask. And when they start coming through, you know the difference between what what will work and what's not, what will, won't work, what's negative to you. I'm, just, I'm not going to say evil. I don't believe they're evil. They could be negative influence. So what I've learned to do is over time, over communication, never take anything they give me as point blank value i always go back within and ask myself does this make sense so you actually through using this tool you learn to develop your own intuition develop your own trust in yourself develop your own uh, awareness and your own your own knowledge your own truths through using this tool when you use it this way and so you develop these friends they help you along the way and they don't just give me direct answers they ask me questions back
0: well what i think is interesting is that uh You know, merch. you've got the collection uh, to end all collections, and you've got boards going all the way back to the beginning, and you see hands-on and and, and in your hands how these things work and how they utilize the user as part of the overall experience. And, Karen, you working in in telecommunications, you know, you see the the benefits of technology. There's got to be a reason why nobody can develop a really good Ouija app, That will work. I mean, when I first got a tablet, the first thing I looked for was a Ouija app. Assuming they must have one, where you just put your fingers on, you know, an electronic representation of the planchette, and it moves around. Similar, and it's just on the screen. And sure, the the critics will think that maybe it's programmed to do that. But we feel the same way about people using a planchette. Maybe we're programming it to do that. So, but how? You need that tactile uh, connection with it to have that overall Ouija experience. It seems like, you know, nobody's going to be able to duplicate that with modern technology.
2: Well, I think if anyone can do it, it's Bill Chapel. Right. <laughs> so, well, yeah. And I know he's been playing around with some really interesting things that are talking board-like, and so yeah. I'm always, you know, astounded by his, how he sees things. You know, he sees it very simply. But, yeah, I think you can't pull away the person. And, again, mm-hmm. it's because that personal tactile touch is part of how it works. You know, again, you know, in the movies, the board always works by itself, Mm. you know? And, (laughs) and so in the, in real life, it just doesn't, not so much. Right. So you, you really do have to be, and I think that's part of its popularity. I really, I truly believe what makes the Ouija board great, fascinating, interesting, popular, and present today is that you are part of it. You, unlike, you know, as, Humans have this amazing ability to create technology, at first to help them, but then it ends up taking over whatever task it was. Humans are not meant to be sitting there. They like to be busy. They like to do things. And yet we've created so much technology to take away the things that we do. It just doesn't work with the Ouija board. And I think it's why it's so old school and it's so funny to watch, you know, as people are are using this technology and then they pull out a Ouija board. And I always – it makes me chuckle because – even with all the amazing, wonderful technology we have, they still haven't come up with, like you said, uh, something that has kind of overthrown it. I, I mean, just think in the past 10 years, all the different devices that are used. Most, some people, you know, there's a generation out there today who's never heard of some of those things because they just didn't last. Right. But you say Ouija and they're like, boom. <laughs> you know, they, you don't have to, um, you don't have to tell anyone. How to use a Ouija board, right? Like, you don't have to read the directions. But, cause we've all, it's just so around us. And, you know, uh, one of the things we've talked about before about how it's sold in toy stores or marketed to kids. One of the things I really, really enjoy about the new board, um, is that it, the tagline, and I'm sure most of the, the audience has heard this is, for many years, they would say, it's just a game, isn't it? And that was a game. And and for anyone who actually wants to see Jeff Belanger in his very first TV (laughs) appearance can see this commercial where a very young-looking Jeff Belanger uh, asks that very question. Um, But what they did in this new version in 2013 was you now open it up, and the very first thing it says, do not use the Ouija board if you believe it's just a game. (laughs) They've <laughs> nice. really, and they've really embraced the fact that you this is a tool to make contact with something, spirits, your subconscious. And I really like that because to me it's like, well, of course, that's what everyone believes it is anyway. So, I mean, you might as well. So how it started. You know, people would sit around asking questions. And just for history's sake, one of the things that's changed a bit is in the beginning, the directions would be you would ask a question to Ouija. So you would say, Ouija, are, is there anything out there? Are, are there any messages for me? And, you know, that quickly changed to people saying, just making contact with a deceased person.
0: Sure. Hey, what I always thought was interesting, too, is that, you know, they come out with electronic talking battleship, but they never came out with electronic talking Ouija, where it would actually spell out the words, you know, vocally for you.
1: You know, I'd like to jump in here. I had an opportunity recently, um, of a group named the Dead Realm Research, and we were in contact, and they had, they, they're more of a paranormal group who uses K2 meters and all that good stuff, which, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I don't use. I, I don't, I just use the Ouija board. <laughs> so they approached me, and I approached, I, I should just say, I approached them to find out a little bit more about what they were doing, because they had developed this device, they call it the Electronic Ouija. So I said, let's have old school Ouija, which is the way I do it, meet new new school, which is high technology Ouija, and we got together and wanted to see how this works. So they brought their. Um they're high tech Ouija, and Robert, you know about this because Dave Schrader recommended him to us, if you recall.
2: That's so right. I did,
1: I, yeah, I did meet with that group, and what it was very, uh, a funny story, I must tell you. Um, I went ahead and tried out. I gave, I gave their board a spin, and it's a board, basically a piano bench, with all these tools and high tech stuff attached to it, with the lights and the meters and the readings. Every time I got on there and spoke to my spirits, nothing would happen. The lights wouldn't go on. But when they got on and talked to their spirit, it would work. Now, I asked my I asked my friends who I've been speaking with for 25 years at least. I said, you know, what's this about? <laughs> I've never asked them to have a voice before. I never asked them to do this. And one of the, one of my spirit friends said, his his name is is um, fondly called Healing Spirit. A healing Spirit said to me, well, I, I never had a voice. I have never been human. I, I don't think I can make a sound. So I don't wow. think I can make it, make it work. And we just thought that was a funny thing. And I said, you're absolutely right. That's so. Not all beings and spirits will even work through those meters, and then not all will work through the Ouija board. But it's fascinating how they, some, they, some of them don't even know how to use high tech. So I'm questioning if even the high tech stuff will allow some of these spirits to come through. And maybe the dead people can, because, you know, I'm sure you all have heard, Tim and Robert, about the phone ringing. You pick it up, I've heard many stories this has not happened to me, but I know people it's happened to. They pick it up. And there's a loved one on the phone shocking to them about something, and they're already dead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you hear things like that. So they do work through did in- it happen. Energy, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they work through energy and frequency, And so if that works through a phone or it works through maybe maybe it'll work through our, your iPhone, I don't know, or my iPad, but you know it, they, that can happen, that can happen yeah and and I think
2: Karen, it, like you said, it makes sense that i mean again because i i don't have this kind of ghost rule book, but <laughs> right. you know you don't not knowing that it, when you die there's this kind of interesting sense that a lot of people believe that once you die, you become all knowing
1: no and, uh, you know, i don't not at all
2: and i i don't you know i haven 't died, so i can 't tell you the answer, but I would have to believe that. Um, you don't, and you only, you maybe you only know what you knew when you died. And so, if that's true, then if you died before there was this technology, you might not know how to make it work. And,
1: well, yes, I think that's part of it. And one of the things they, they tell me too is they say, cause I talk to them all the time that pass over, they say they, 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 when they pass over, it's not like they died, they started a new life. They're in a new space now and they're learning, they're evolving, the same thing we do on the Earth School. They're evolving there and, and they, what they're all knowing to is who they are, to their personality and what they, what they did in life, what they want to do, who they affected. They're all knowing to their own outtake, their own input. They're all-knowing to themselves. Are they all-knowing to all the answers to the universe? No. But what I've also learned, they've told me, is they will go and study on the other side with other beings who help them learn maybe something they were interested in. Um, I had an example where spirit came through and talked to me about radionics. I knew nothing about it. This was like back in 1989. But then I started learning all about radionics from my spirit friends. So it's things like that. They're they're, weren't, they're learning, and they're gonna they're, they want to come back and, and share that with you as well. Um, but but no, they're not all knowing. It's, that's at least what they told me. That's been my experience of it. But they are all knowing of how they affected people and how they affected themselves in the world.
0: I mean, it's kind of just the uh, learning that you would expect from being able to remove yourself from a situation, and you're able to look back and say, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, here's what, here's the mistakes that I made, here's the things that I did that were right. So I could kind of understand how you would gain that knowledge, and it's very interesting that the pursuit of knowledge continues in the next realm of existence. Uh, we do have a, a question here. And if anybody would like to call in with a question, you can do so, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. You can also jump into the chat room on SpookyTV at SpookySouthCoast.com, or you can email them to a spooky crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. And this question comes from Craig via email, and he wants to know what each of your opinion is about someone using the Ouija board alone.
1: Well, I'd be happy to go first, if I may, Robert. Of course. (laughs) Thank you. Um, okay. I say do not use it alone. But but let me let me qualify that a little bit. I I say that because when you're embarking on this journey of, of using this board, which is very tactile, as we've already discussed, it's very personal, we've already, already discussed, when you're alone with this, I have seen a few things happen one is i've seen people start to use it and yes you people can make it move alone i've seen that happen many times um but what i see happening too is that they might become obsessed with just relying on it what what i recommend and okay that's well let me back up that's one thing i want to say the second thing is you might get some information that may not really pertain but you try to make it pertain because you want to believe they're all knowing and that could be damaging to yourself too the third thing you may pull in some energies that you don't quite understand how to deal with such as earthbound spirits and those are people that have passed away, that are still stuck in their personality, and usually typically call, cause those hauntings. Um, the poltergeist activity, the repetitive doors slamming, the footsteps we hear, and they're still stuck in a personality, so they're still stuck in maybe that anger, that fear, whatever's holding them back. So you can, you can run into all that doing it by yourself. Doing it with somebody else, if you run into those things, those concepts, those, those equations, you actually have somebody to bounce it off of. You have somebody to be safe with this with. It's like a partner in crime, although you're not committing the crime, you're doing the research into it. You're allowing yourself to see it more objectively instead of subjectively. Also, when you do it with another person, you learn to trust that you know you're not moving it. You learn to trust the other person, and then you don't start going, oh, am I pushing it? You don't start questioning yourself as much. That comes over quite a bit of time of practicing it. Now, given that, I will say I have used the Ouija board alone. I still don't recommend it although I didn't start doing it on my own until after oh 35 30, no excuse me more 38 years of doing the board with a partner and and I did that purposely because I really wanted to Work with the board and learn to navigate through these different um, energy levels that I work with and to understand that I'm not alone with it, so to have a witness there with me, to mm-hmm. say, did that just happen? What does that mean? You know me. You know, just somebody process it with as opposed to just being alone with the information. It makes it that much more safe and relevant um, to yourself because you have somebody there that actually can help you work with the information.
0: And, Birch, what do you think about the idea of using it alone?
2: You know, I I think I've seen from just a experimenting side that people have better success, especially when they start, if they do it with other people. And and sometimes even the more people, the better. It's just the particular people they should pay attention that they're picking to do this with. Um, You know, people should pick people they can trust and they feel comfortable with, but You know, as far as using it alone, it seems to be something I've noticed that people build up to, that they feel, you know, once they can do that. And then honestly, they don't seem to use it much alone. It you know, Karen, I don't know if this is your experience, but I've noticed that when people get to the point where it works well alone, they actually stop using it and are more into uh, other forms of communication. That's correct.
1: It takes you to another whole level, like automatic writing. It takes you to a level of direct journaling communication. You're absolutely right about that, or mediumship. So I haven't seen,
2: uh, you know, though, again, the reason I think the question gets asked is because of a, a kind of interesting pop culture phenomenon movie called The Exorcist in 1973 that um, we see a young Reagan talking about using the board and that she played it alone and then shortly afterwards is possessed by a demon. So I think the reason people ask this question is does it, maybe what you're really asking is does it make you more open to possession? And I think that, you know, Again, I'm just looking at it from a perspective as does it work better? I notice that people have better success when there's other people until they get used to letting it go. Because funny thing happens with using the Ouija board. They want it to move, and as soon as it does, they take their hands off it. <laughs> so it's a really funny thing. To, so until they get used to letting it move. You know, either they're pressing so hard that the board is bending because they're pushing it down, or they keep trying to lift their hands off to see if it will move by itself. I think until they get used to how it works, it it works better with more people.
0: Well, uh, speaking of The Exorcist, Linda Blair will be at Terracon coming up uh, June seventh to eighth, seventh and eighth uh, in Providence, Rhode Island. I want to see if maybe I can bring a board and have her sign it. I'm sure I she wouldn't will be the first she, she won't touch will it?
2: Not do it. No, I have tried for it. Oh years. man. <laughs> One thing she will not do and if you bring it in line, she is likely to throw you out of that line. Oh. She's not not a fan of Ouija boards and just for the audience to know, there is no proof that a Ouija board was ever used Correct. in the original exorcist that the that the movie was based off of. There was um, a great book written by Mark Opa- Oposniak where he actually – it's mostly just investigating the facts. Mm-hmm. And even though people claim that the priest wrote about this in a journal, there is no evidence of that in what they have today, that there was ever an aunt that was a spiritualist who used a Ouija board. So, you know, again, it's, I'm not saying it's not true. There just isn't the facts to back that up. And so Urban Legend has given the Ouija board an interesting rap.
0: Well, we do have a question on the phone lines, and if you would like to call in with a question for Merch and Karen, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Do you have a question?
2: Yeah, Tim. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Um, I was wondering if the older boards work better than the newer boards, like the original ones that were made in Salem, as opposed to, like, the new glow-in-the-dark ones that you buy at Toys R Us.
0: Did you guys hear the question? Not at all. No. Okay, the question was whether or not the older boards work better than the newer boards. The older ones, you know, from from the 1800s, early 1900s, as compared to the mass-manufactured ones of
2: today.
1: Well, you know, for for me, no. <laughs> My answer is simply no. I, any board works works as well as I work. That's it, Period. <laughs> Yeah, I think some
2: people believe, I, I get that question a lot, um, and I'm going to tell people, no, they don't, so they don't try to pick up the old boards that I'm looking for. But they, they, um, <laughs> you don't want to get but, beat out, yeah. Exactly, yeah, no, I don't want them to do that. No, the truth is I notice the different boards work better for different people, so a great thing about uh, talking boards are they're an interesting form of Americana artwork. They tend to represent the decade that they were made in, so you can see all kinds of interesting things that creep into other talking boards not so much Ouija proper um, but some people who are very visual or who like uh the horoscopes or zodiac they're going to go for those boards so i you know i most my advice for other people is find the board that calls to you if you you see a, an older board and you you believe or you think you've got this feeling that it's going to work better it probably will um if you don't care and make your own some people say no no, no the, the only boards that work for me are the ones i make hmm. other people say no i have to buy one that no one's ever used and and i i don't know if there's any more or less truth to those things other than if it works for you that's awesome
1: well here's the flip side of that now i had some spirits i speak to i when i pull out a new board i received or something they'll say i don't like this board as much can we go back to the other board and they'll say let's try this board instead and then one time I had this board i bought it's a 1950 circa and it had um it has a little myst- mystifying oracle wood wooden planchette and it said um, the felt, the felt on the bottom of the pads weren't that great on the bottom of the bottom of the feet, excuse me. And it said, "Would you please put new pads on the feet? I can't make this move." And I went, "That is so funny." So I happened to have those little pads because I put them on bottoms like you know pots and stuff you put on your de- for decor. So I went out in the garage, put them on. And they said, "Oh, that's so much better." But I still don't like this board. I really go back to the other board and use it. So it's not just what I like; it's also what my friends like to use.
0: And, and Mark, have you tried some of the older boards or?
2: No, I uh, I only have the black and white, the uh, glow in the dark one, and I'm still kind of afraid to use it.
0: So oh come on! Is, don't uh, don't be afraid.
1: I have that and one too. That's my traveling board because it's small enough to fit into my suitcase. So I use that one quite often, and they have no problem going between my 1973 board and my uh, my my new one too, which is just a few years old, the glow in the dark one. And,
2: and i to get that new one that lights up. That just looks even more cooler. You know, I don't know if I'd be more likely to use it or not, but I, w- I want to get that one, too, you know?
1: You know, I probably will, too, and I'd like to give it a spin because I, I, I do like to try out the different boards and see what what everybody else thinks about it, all the people I talk to.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Hasbro would like to hear that you want to try their new board.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> sure. I do. I think I can make it uh, some incredible things happen with it. <laughs> all right, well, thank you, Mark, for the
0: call. All right, thanks, Tim. Have a great night. And I'm glad that we were able to figure that out to make the phone call work. Thanks, Matt, for reminding me to put that pot up for it. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe, uh, you know, if Hasbro wants to send one our way, because I can't find it in the store anywhere around here, the only place you can get them... Uh, around here is Toys R Us, and every time we go to Toys R Us, they don't have them. They only have the glow-in-the-dark board, so it's getting uh, increasingly more difficult to to get them in stores anyway. Because you know you've got the WalMarts and the Targets that all decide that they don't want to carry them on the shelf because of the connotations and all that stuff. You know what? You've got a gun section Walmart, and that's done a lot more damage than the Ouija board has. So. You can carry that, too. Uh, before we uh, go, Karen, because we only have about five minutes left in the show, I, I wanted to ask you a question that kind of popped into my head earlier this week when I was thinking about your work on the telecommunications field. Sure. As we're putting out all this information, more information than ever is going out into the, you know, the, the digital airwaves. It's going out there into these different frequencies. I'm wondering, are we going to get to a point where the humans who are able to get up into those frequencies, whether on their own or maybe through the use of these boards, are they going to be mixing up these messages? I mean, are you going to be pulling in uh, on, the, on the Ouija board something that was meant to be a text from one person to another?
1: That is so funny. It makes me think of the, the old party lines, right, with switchboard oh, operators? Exactly, yeah. And you're, you're on my party line, right? And you go, oh, it was a bleed-through. Well, you know how I, once in a while I still, on, on my wireless phone, I will get somebody else talking sometimes. You know how the fo- the regular cordless phones used to do that? You pick up somebody else's conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I used to know how that's to
0: a- bend it so I could hear my neighbors, yeah.
1: I did, too. I think we all kind of played around with that at one time. <laughs> um, that's a very fascinating question. And, you know, I really don't have an answer for that. But where I see... Things going more spiritually with ourselves as human beings, I can really answer that, is that we are, more of us are waking up to our inner heart and waking up to our abilities to use uh, these abilities that we're talking about, we're trying to do through the Ouija board or other kinds of uh, d- tools and devices that help us communicate with what's beyond our realm and what we can't literally see with our eyes, it's just our apparatus is kind of behind. I think our apparatus that is inherent with us is catching up. So I think we will be able to start maybe, this is what I'm thinking. I don't know when, but I see it more and more with people being able to do maybe more mind reading or you know telepathy and those kind of abilities. But would I build it, or maybe you or my Ouija board, be able to connect it to the wireless phone system? I don't know. But I'll tell you what, I sure will ask that question the next time I do the board to see what they have to say. Well, and I don't know about <laughs> you.
0: I don't know about you, Merch, but one thing I'm worried about with these boards is that eventually it's gonna start to respond to us in text speak. So, you know, C-S-E-E will just be the letter C and Y-O-U will Ah. become the letter U. I've already had that happen a few times. You know, By the how- way,
1: they do that with me. They use little they use um little jargon things. They'll use U for YOU. They'll use C, S-E-E-S-C. They do the L O L. They're starting to use T. They're,
0: they're using L O L on the Ouija board. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Yes.
0: Oh my god. What's the next I know what's coming next? It's going to be a Ouija board made entirely of emojis. <laughs> yeah. it's going to be emoji
2: Ouija. Do you know
1: well, why don't we break it into that realm?
2: <laughs> do you guys know Mike Brody? Oh yeah. So Mike Brody, years and years and years ago at these, made that joke that that's how you know when he does his stand-up. That's how you know you're talking to a young spirit when it says, I'm going to kill you, LOL. (laughs) LOL. (laughs) <laughs> that is
0: perfect, and uh, really, there's no way we could close out the conversation any better than that. We want to remind everybody, of course, to go to the websites for our guests, RobertMurch.com. You can find out where Bob's going to be, about all of his appearances, uh, some of his upcoming lectures and presentations, and KarenAdalman.com. It's uh, both sites are linked up to SpookySouthcoast.com, right on the front page. And if you go to Karen's site uh, until midnight tomorrow, you will be able to get the Spirits of Ouija for Decades of Communication. Uh, You'll be able to get it at a discount and you'll also get it autographed and you will read about her experiences. And if you are against the Ouija, this is the book that you want to want to read because it's going to show you just what a positive impact it can have when used properly. I want to thank you guys both for joining us. This was a, a fascinating conversation that just flew by and you know we're going to do this again sometime.
1: Most excellent. Thank you, thank you both so Thank much.
2: you so much, you guys. All right. Take care and
0: we will see each of you very soon. Good evening. All right. Bye-bye. That is Karen Dahlman and Robert Merch. They are really the two foremost Ouija experts out there. You could not ask for two people more knowledgeable about... Ouija where it's been where it is and where it's going so we always enjoy talking with both of them plus they're just really cool fun people and the conversation always goes in so many different directions but right now the conversation is over for tonight we are out of time we will be back next Saturday night in our usual time slot we hope uh, depending on the sports schedule we will be joined in studio by Amy Bruni of Ghost Hunters you'll be able to hear her discuss some of the behind-the-scenes stuff behind Ghost Hunters, plus find out a whole lot more, and uh, you can also call her and speak to her as well. So that will be happening next week. Until then, for Matt Costa, for Matt Moniz, I'm Tim Weisberg, and we want you all to stay spooktacular.